maybe you woke up one day and you just got sick. You looked around at your current situation and just said, you know what, this isn't it. I'm meant for more than this, even if you don't know what it is. So having that, that calling, you know, that, that vision and the more clear that can get, the more, the more powerful it becomes. But I held on to that for many, many years. And it wasn't until I could learn to see the full picture and zoom out and see all the benefits of that trauma that I was able to let it go and turn that into power. My personal favorite way for making somebody confident is through hypnosis. Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life. And I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one -on -one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We're in an exciting time of the year for many people. Welcome back to the Connected Mindset Live. I'm your host, Greg Tomchik. We're gonna have an incredible conversation today, you know, diving into a lot of the things that myself and Mr. Zach Paul have been, been through throughout 2023. And where we like to start the show, as many of you know, if you've tuned in before, is really to just understand what we need to know about the younger Zach to understand who's in front of us today. Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to diving in. Yeah, Greg, thanks for having me on and I'm um, looking forward to it as well. Love this. Love that question. You got it. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll dive into your background here. Um, you know, but what do we really need to understand about the Zach as a younger person and kind of where you are today and kind of what added up? to the person that's in front of us now? The biggest thing you need to understand about younger Zach is that younger Zach had no confidence. Now, if you imagine a kid that weighed about 115 pounds, soaking wet, skinny, uh, eyeliner, black hair, makeup, like the full the full emo kid, the full goth look, uh, that's, who we're, that's who we're dealing with. You know, we're talking about somebody that played music and struggled socially and had no athletic background, no physical abilities, and really, really no confidence in himself. You know, didn't like school, didn't like um, anything really that I was, I was put into that way. And that dissatisfaction, you know, that lack of confidence, that lack of physical ability and all those insecurities uh, would turn out to be the kind of the milestones and the markers that would shape my adult life and the journey that I went on to um, to develop those those parts of myself that were not developed. What, what do you think kind of drove you? Because it sounds like you you tried to live outside of what the societal norms, you know, put you in, right? You You put yourself in situations where maybe you didn't want to fit in the way everybody else wanted you to. Um, what kind of drove you to that direction? If you kind of, you know, look back 
and think about, you know, what drove you to music or what drove you to other things that maybe other people didn't want, you know, to make themselves associated with, I guess you could say. So I got into music actually as a kid. Um, I, my dad's a lifetime guitar player, musician, and I actually learned a lot from him. He gave me my first guitar, but let me play his. And so that's how I got into music. And so music just kind of became part of my life. And it was always my creative outlet. It was always something I really enjoyed learning and doing. And it interested me far more than the sports. You know, I uh, attempted to play baseball a couple of years, but I was just unathletic and didn't have anything, you know, that I could really, really bring to compete. Uh, other than this attitude of, I will not quit. I will not give up. You know, and I got up there, my, you know, I never really fit in with the the jocks, the athletes, the, the mainstream kids, the mainstream society. You know, I got into baseball in middle school after most kids have been playing for many, many years. And I got up there and, you know, I remember standing up there and getting up to the plate, looking at the pitcher and got my bat and my stuff on, my heart's racing and I'm freaking out. And I've done some batting cages and he throws the ball and I just take a swing at it and phew, strike. Right. Um, and I just feel myself get paralyzed by fear. And the next two balls go by, I didn't even swing at them. And I spent actually, you know, that at bat was pretty typical of my entire first year where every single time I get up there, I was just paralyzed by fear. I was too scared to even swing at the ball most of the time. So I'd either get walked if I was lucky beamed on occasion or strike out most of the time. But every single time I got back up there and I kept trying, I kept trying and I kept pushing through the fear. And even though I couldn't always find the courage to swing, right? Even though I couldn't always make it through that next step, I still kept going. I still kept going. I got up there and I still went for it. And my very last at bat of my very first season, I finally took a swing at the ball, hit it and got on base. I can't remember if we lost the game or won the game. It actually doesn't matter, but me that moment of just like persevering through an entire season of pain and fear and discomfort and humiliation of being the guy that wasn't swinging at the ball but to still be there standing at the end and finally do it was a huge huge moment for me and so you know even though i didn't fit in with the normal interests and what everybody else had i also had something that i didn't see from a lot of other people which was that will to just keep going and succeed no matter what yeah i love that and how many you know when you look at kind of society overall, how many, you know, how much of the percentage quit before they even get to that point into the season where they have that light bulb moment of, holy cow, I, I didn't give up and it worked out. So most people don't even try. You know, the sad reality of our, our society is that, you know, for everybody that's willing to get up there and swing at the ball and strike out and, you know, suffer through that over and over and over again, there's a lot of people that would get up there their very first time, have a bad experience and say, this isn't for me and give up and walk away. And this is how most people live their lives. Most people are met by failure, by setback, by other people's negativity, by whatever it is that they don't have success. You know, we're sold this dream of, oh, you're just, it's going to be easy and you get overnight success the very first time. And if you want it bad enough, you'll just get it right. That's secret. That's the secret. You just want it really bad. Right? We'll, we'll come back to that because the secret law of attraction is absolutely true, but is also completely misunderstood. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's this societal narrative where if you just want it bad enough, you'll get it. And people get up there and then they get this little bit of failure, right? Their first taste of adversity and they just crumble like a cheap lawn chair and said, oh, this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's my race, my gender, my ethnicity, my background, whatever it is. And they'll move on to the next thing. And most people drift through life, just completely adrift and to failure after failure after failure, 
without sticking with something long enough to actually see it through to the end. So that's what a lot of people do. But the really sad thing is an even bigger number of people never even try. Mm -hmm. They never even get up on the plate. They never even experience the taste of failure because in their mind, they've defeated themselves before they've even tried. And, you know, I talk about confidence a lot. Confidence is the, in my opinion, in my experience, the most important trait that anybody can have for anything because confidence is the difference between getting started and actually getting something completed, right? Confidence is the outcome that you see happening. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm not confident. You know, a lot of people think they don't have confidence, right? The person says, oh, I want to play baseball, but you know, I don't think I can do it. So they don't even try. That person's still confident, right? Don't get me wrong. That person's still confident. They're just confident that they're going to fail. Mm -hmm. They're confident that they can't do it. And so if you're confident that you can't do it, then they're not even going to try. And so most people defeat themselves in their minds by being confident that they're going to fail and they never even try. And the sad thing about that is you run that lifetime to the end of the cycle and you know, you've got all the, the what ifs, right? The regret, I call them the echoes of regret where you hear all these voices and these memories and what if I just tried for it? What if I just had the courage to go for it? What if I just, you know, ignored the fear and went for it anyways? And the reality is everybody's got these, right? We can all think of times where we wish we'd had the courage to go for it and we didn't, right? Most people are haunted by these. And so the difference though, is that some people are just haunted and are just going to let it go and never do anything about it. Some people are going to get up there and try and then give up at the first sign of challenge or failure. But the biggest difference between people that actually achieve anything and actually do anything meaningful with their lives is pushing through the fear, pushing through failure after failure after failure. And instead of seeing failures as a negative or something wrong with them, seeing failure as a learning opportunity. Great. Mm -hmm. Struck out beautifully. What do I need to do next time? Well, it would probably help if I swung at the ball. Okay, cool. And then so on. you can continue to refine that skill. But yeah, the biggest difference is most people don't even try in the first place. And out of the people that try, most of them will not stick in the game long enough to figure out what it takes to be successful. Do you think it's just taking the next step? I know you've seen a lot of, and you've put yourself through challenges of building confidence and just having that do not quit mentality. Do you think in order to get out of our minds where we get that debilitating fear, it's really just taking that next step? Or is it bigger than that? Having something that's driving you that's bigger than yourself that allows you to take that next step? The most potent, powerful force for motivation to push yourself through discomfort is having a vision, right? Is having a dream, is having a calling, right? If, um, and I'm sure you can relate to this and a lot of your listeners can too, but we feel the calling, right? Maybe it's always been there. You know, for me, there's always been something in there. There's this, I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I feel it, right? It's something bigger than myself. And I know a lot of people that have experienced something very, very similar. Maybe you woke up one day and you just got sick. You looked around at your current situation and just said, you know what? This isn't it. I'm meant for more than this, even if you don't know what it is. So having that, that calling, you know, that, that vision and the more clear that can get, the more, the more powerful it becomes. But sometimes it is just that calling, you know, that yearning of the heart, knowing that there's more and I want more and I'm meant for more, and, you know, whether or not you believe in God or a higher power or uh, blind, dumb luck of evolution, doesn't matter. There's a million ways to get there, but um, you know, and personally, I'm a spiritual person, so I believe there's a higher power, some sort of higher calling, some type of higher energy. I don't claim to understand it, but 
I believe there's forces far, far greater than us at play here. And when you really, really learn to tap into and listen to those and kind of accept who you really are, because I believe everybody has the potential, the capability of doing these things, but there's a, a weight, you know, I call it the, uh, the shadow of fear, right? There's this, uh, this heavy, heavy weight, this fog, this, I want to do something, but I'm not sure what, and it's too dangerous to go out there. So I'm never going to try. And we, meanwhile, we're plastered with uh, media, social media, news, and all these different things that are designed to keep us feeling fear, 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 fear. So a lot of people get weighed down by this, this shadow of fear. And the crazy thing about it is it's not real, right? It's a shadow. You know, you can see the scariest shadow in the world, but it's still just a shadow. It's not real. And fear operates in the same way in that it's this, it's our brain, it's our mind's expectation of a terrible outcome, the worst case outcome. An outcome so terrible, it's actually unlikely to happen that way. A lot of times this outcome is so bad, there's zero chance that it actually happens that way in the real world. But that fear is so big, it's so scary that we can just get lost in that shadow and all the what ifs and all the reasons not to. And that's the biggest thing that holds people back. So the way to get through that is to feel your calling. And I believe everybody has one, if they're being honest with themselves, mm -hmm. feel that calling and then move towards that vision every step of the way and just follow that light. And you don't always know the direction to go. There's a, um, a clip from an old Indiana Jones movie that I show clients in which, you know, there's this uh, chasm he has to get across and there's a, you know, the way to do it is you just take a, a leap of faith. And as soon as you take that first step, you know, there's an invisible bridge under him that he ends up finding the way across. But a lot of times I love that clip because when you take that first step, sometimes then the path presents itself. But a lot of times it's on you to go first. Because nobody's going to come around. Nobody's going to come save you. Nobody's going to come just hand you the treasure map and the key and all the things like you've got to go out. You've got to go first. But I truly believe that when you go first and when you act in alignment with that vision, with that calling, with whatever that purpose is for you or for anybody, the path presents itself and you realize that the fear was just fear. And as soon as you start taking action, that fear melts away. But it can be hard for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think of like a rainforest and there's like, you know, a door to get you where you want to go, but there's fog in front of you. And if you're not even willing to, you know, test where that fog takes you, you're never going to see the door. You're never going to reach that goal. Um, and I think it's not, it's not done. Um, you know, it's, I think a lot of people, like you said, they give up or before they even get to see the fog, like they just don't even try at all. Um, you know, so how do we get more people to try? Um, and I think a lot of people think confidence is something you're born with. And it sounds like you talk about it as more of a muscle. Um, you know, how do you, I guess, how do you break people out of that, you know, that mentality? Because I'm sure it, it, it's a lot of built up, you know, past traumas. It's a lot of the messaging that school told them or their parents told them or grandparents. You know, what, what are the initial steps to get people to just just have the, enough confidence to try? Yeah, you just hit a bunch of my, my hot buttons there. <laughs> yeah. So the biggest, so my personal favorite way for making somebody confident is through hypnosis. I give me somebody who's not confident and I can make them confident in two minutes. Like the most confident person that they've ever seen or been in their entire life. I can install that into somebody very, very quickly with hypnosis, literally through the snap of the fingers. It's very, very fast. That's my personal favorite way of doing it. However, that's not, you know, there's only one of me and I'm not, you know, out there for everybody. So um, confidence doesn't come, it's a, it's a trait, right? It's a, it's a skill set. It's not just something you're born with. 
it comes from a few different things. It comes from clarity of knowing what to do, right? And sometimes it's just that next step, right? Sometimes it can really just be, um, and so a lot of times if somebody's like, I want to do something, I'm just not sure what, you know, there's a vision, but I'm not sure what it is. That's fine. Just do something, do any, doing anything is better than doing nothing. Right now there's the caveat to that is it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to run enthusiastically in the wrong direction. Right. So there is something to be said for figuring out where it is you want to go, but the easiest way to figure out where you want to go. And this is the most hippie spiritual stuff that you'll ever hear me talk about, but this is absolutely true is listening to your feelings. And we live in a world of where we've been told, can I swear on here? Do we get me? Do we get bleeped? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, right, cool. yeah you can go for it. I don't want to get you, I don't want to get you in trouble with the, the sensors. <laughs> no, you know, we've been told we've grew, you know, we come about in this world where we've been told, fuck your feelings, your feelings don't matter. You know, as men, suck it up, buttercup, rub some dirt on it, all these different things. And we've actually been taught to ignore our basic intuition, our basic feelings. And while, you know, maybe don't go make business decisions or uh, trade stocks, you know, financial decisions, like based on how you're feeling, those are data decisions. There's something to be said for, how do I feel about this decision, right? How do I feel about this direction I'm going? Does it feel good and energizing or does it feel exhausting and bad? So biggest thing was so one big thing is I would say it's, it's so vague, but it's so true is learning to trust yourself and how you feel. Our gut fish, our gut feelings, our intuition has evolved over millions and millions of years. And it's very, very good if you let it do its job. So um, that's one thing is just doing something, taking some sort of action. Um, the other piece of it is, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, you mentioned the word traumas, which I think is a very, very popular thing to hang your failures on these days. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very easy to say, oh, well, I had this, uh, and it becomes a competition right now. It's not just, oh, my trauma, but generational trauma. You know, I've got, I'm a fifth generation of this, uh, poverty just runs in our family. Right. Or name a name an excuse. Right. And, uh, trauma, you know, you're talking to somebody who has had a, literally had a traumatic brain injury and been in a coma for three days and had to reteach myself how to talk and how to walk and rebuild my life. So yeah, I know trauma uh, very, very well. I don't find it to be a very useful excuse or useful story. And really all trauma is, you know, there's people that'll tell you trauma lives in the body, even though your cells regenerate every few months to years. So that doesn't actually scientifically make sense. Uh, but all trauma is, is it's a story. It's a, some stressful event happened. It was a stress that the brain didn't know how to handle. And so the brain keeps looping on that event, hoping to resolve it. And a lot of times that story becomes a story of being stuck and becomes a story that has a lot of pain and a lot of drawbacks associated with it. And as long as the drawbacks, and as long as the pain outweighs the benefits, you'll stay stuck in that trauma loop forever, right? And this is why you have people that have decades and decades and decades of trauma that they've never let go of, even though there's physiologically, there's no mechanism for it. It's all in the mind, it's all in the brain. So to let go of trauma, to let go of anything that's holding someone back, the key to that is to look for the benefits that you don't see there. And as soon as you can look for the benefit, okay, cool, this terrible thing happened, but as a result of that, oh, I learned actually, I got these skills and I got these experiences. And because of that, I, um, I mean, I'll use myself for example, right? I had a brain injury, cost me my career as a Navy SEAL, cost me my physical, mental health, almost committed suicide. I mean, I can go on and on about how terrible it was, but the reality is that experience also gave me some skills and some, a story. And it gave me a lot of things that actually are way more valuable because the pain is over, right? The event is over. It's done. It happened. It's gone. It's not here anymore. Right. I'm we're moving forward. Um, but I held on to that for many, many years. And it wasn't until I could learn to see the full picture and zoom out and see all the benefits of that, 
trauma that I was able to let it go and turn that into power. So I think if anytime somebody has any sort of limitations, you know, if you, if you hear your self making excuses for why you can't do it, that's a limiting belief. You know, we talk about limiting beliefs gets thrown around a lot. Anytime you have some sort of story or justification for why you can't do it, there's a limitation, there's a limiting belief in there. So the next thing is to figure out what's in the way, right? What are those things that are in the way? Um, you know, and again, this is, I can go way, way deep into this, but probably don't have time to cover the full threshold. But the other piece is, um, the other piece of confidence is trusting yourself, right? If you have a track record of not keeping your word to yourself, and I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it, and I said I was going to quit this bad habit, and then I kept doing it, um, which by the way, bad habits are simply, we just associate more benefits than drawbacks to the action. Right, so somebody that keeps picking up the bottle associates more benefits and pleasure to drinking than they do the pain of what that alcohol is costing them. Right, you switch those benefits. I've helped people quit drinking, like overnight, because we can just change the weight. So these are very, very easy things to fix. Um, but if we don't fix these things, you know, if somebody keeps telling themselves they're gonna quit drinking or quit drugs or whatever bad habit, or they tell them they're gonna start working out and they don't do it, they break that trust with themselves. And how can you trust yourself if you can't trust yourself? How can you feel confident? You're, you can't. So um, I know it was a little bit of a lengthy answer, but yeah, to answer your question, the biggest ones are taking, doing something, just taking some sort of action and you get confidence from competence from doing it and then letting go of any excuses, any stories, any limitations that are not helping you. And then keeping your word to yourself are the biggest ways that I found to build confidence. I love it. Yeah, I think we uh, we often underestimate the power of our mind and the ability to make those shifts. Like you mentioned, the just switching the benefits, you know, with the downsides. I think a lot of us don't think about that when we're going through a hard time. We just think, you know, our feelings drive our thoughts, our thoughts drive our actions, as opposed to if I just take action, maybe I'll feel better. And, you know, I'll think healthier thoughts. So trying to like flip those things around, I think is so critical and it shows the power of our mind. And when you mentioned hypnosis, it's amazing how it can take something so short, but it can take people so long to see the, see that, that, that bright light kind of say, holy cow, I've been doing this for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And I've just been in this revolving infinity loop of this thought that's been holding me back. But I don't think people see that infinity loop until they come across somebody like yourself or do the hard journaling work or go to a therapist and talk about it. And they're like, you've just been doing this for, for 10 years. Why haven't you changed it? And it just, it's something so simple. So, you know, what else, I guess I want to hit a little bit on the hypnosis side, because I think that's fascinating. That's a uniqueness that I haven't come across. Um, and you know, playing sports and and trying to develop myself as a person to break through all of the things that are holding you back, um, and just kind of clear all all the negatives to get to more of the, you know, that consistent progress. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> how did you come across, I guess, hypnosis, and what brought you to the point where you started to say this is actually something that might work for myself and for other people? Yeah, so hypnosis is the ultimate shortcut, right? People like one of the, into something you said a minute ago, right? I think there's a lot of a societal narrative about it has to be hard. 
mm-hmm. about you are your past. You know, even um, you know the narrative, like you mentioned, the narrative is feelings create thoughts, which is completely backwards, right? Your thoughts create feelings, and emotions aren't something that happen to you. A lot of people who oh, I'm feeling this way as if they're a victim, they're a passive, um, they're having a passive experience of the emotions. But emotions are something you do. And emotions are something that are created from within, and the moment of power, you know, this light bulb moment that I love helping co-create in people is when people realize that they get to choose, right? And they get to choose their thoughts and they get to choose their feelings. And some people are very, very addicted to negativity and being stuck. And there's a reason for that, right? The reason for that is because the brain doesn't know the difference between physical and emotional pain. So when someone's feeling emotional pain, they get endorphins, which are the body's natural painkillers, which bind to the same receptor sites as heroin. So somebody actually gets a heroin type of high from feeling emotional pain. And so if somebody gets this high, this endorphin, this, you know, that runner's high, right? When you see the guy running on lap mile 23 of a marathon and just the dumb smile, hey, I'm having a good time, right? It's endorphins, right? They feel awesome. You know, if you've worked out for any little period of time, you get it. When you sit in a hot tub, you get them. So you get a little bit of a high from it. So people, they're not aware of this. Nobody knows that they're doing this, but um, people get negative events and they think negative thoughts and they feel emotional pain then they get painkillers and they get a little bit of a high from it and then people this is how people literally get addicted to negativity and addicted to their the struggle right it's it's unfortunate i think the biggest thing about it there's just not a lot of education about it um even the therapy industry the psychology industry you know it has a success rate for about one out of four people give or take depending on the study you look at but um even a lot of these these modalities are operate under the assumption that these are medical conditions and you're stuck with this for life, as opposed to they're just temporary conditions that you're experiencing because of what you're going through and because of the way you're thinking about it. That's a whole different, different can of worms. Um, but to, to come back to hypnosis. So, and the reason I'm so passionate about this is because, you know, after my accident, after my, you know, all the stuff I was going through, uh, I spent a lot of time in therapy and I spent a lot of time taking drugs and going to doctors and doing all the things that they said to do and not getting any better. It just folks spinning around the problem. Like, there's a problem here. There's some stuff I need to fix and just circling it just forever and spending however many hours talking about the problems. Right. And I tried the journaling and doing all the things, but the brain doesn't want to change. Right? The brain has a collection of beliefs that so far have kept you alive. And so the brain says, and the brain doesn't care about anything other than keeping you alive doesn't care about you being happy, fulfilled, having good relationships, being healthy. It doesn't care about any of that as long as it's keeping you alive. And so the brain takes whatever collection of beliefs that you have right now and says, those are good for survival. Therefore, I don't want to change them. This is why it can be so hard for people to change a cycle. And even when someone's like, I know I have this problem, but I can't fix it. This is why, because the brain does not want you to fix it. Because deep down in the subconscious, there's a belief that those beliefs are good for survival. And if we go muck with those, then you could be vulnerable to getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Right, it was the biology, the the hardware, the software. Like we've got this, right? We've thank your ancestors; they kept you alive. But now we've evolved, or we've uh, excuse me, we've inherited their their operating system. So the reason I like hypnosis is because hypnosis is the shortcut. Hypnosis is the fastest way to go into that subconscious and change those beliefs to align with what somebody really wants. Now I started learning it in like fifth grade. I remember sitting out in front of my elementary school with a book with a spiral on the front, trying to hypnotize the other kids not really understanding a lot about the mind and the brain because, you know, fifth grader. And so it's kind of a loose skill set that I developed early in life. And then after going through the military, 
you know, I got to understand how they take a, you know, 20 year old kid out of civilian life and break them down and remold them into a Navy SEAL and become the world's greatest warrior. Right. I understood that process very, very well. Cause I'm, my brain sees things in systems. So as I'm going through this, I'm like, I understand what's happening. So I understood that piece of it. And then when I was recovering from my brain injury, I realized that, you know, no amount of talking about it was going to fix it. And no amount of doctors telling me to try to stay positive and keep up the good work and hang in there was going to do anything. So I decided to figure some stuff out on my own. So I studied neuroscience, studied with Buddhist monks and got back into hypnosis because my whole question became, how do I take control of my mind, right? How do I control my mind instead of letting my mind control me? How do I change my brain so that I start getting what I want instead of just being pissed off and angry and miserable all the time? That became the question. And so I put all those pieces together. I put it, um, together the military, the Navy SEAL stuff, put together the neuroscience of how to actually create a change, uh, put together some stuff from Buddhism and spirituality about how to feel peaceful, how to feel, just feel good. Right? You can just feel good. Like, you, can just, you can just feel good. Like, no reason at all. It's the biggest thing. People are like, why do you need a reason to feel like you can just feel good? You can just hack your brain chemistry and just feel good, feel confident, regardless of what's going on. It's a, it's a superpower, but we can do that. We have that, we have that power. We have that freedom. So that all came together then under the umbrella of hypnosis of how do I do this for somebody, right? How can I, and the reason, the way this actually came about was I was at a, an entrepreneur's event and they had a little studio set up where people could go get on camera and create content and tell stories. And one of the girls there was freaking out. You know, she's anxious. She's nervous. She can't get on camera. She's freaking out. She's like you know, terrified to go just get in front of a camera and speak. And all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, Oh, I can fix this. And without even, I didn't tell her I was hypnotizing her. I just kind of took her through a quick little thing. And less than five minutes later, she's up on camera, you know, feeling confident, telling her story, like just complete. And all the people in the crowd were like, what the fuck? And she's like, what just happened? I'm like, oh, maybe I should do this more. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's, um, cause I haven't visited this in a little while. Let me, uh, let me see what, the, let me see what this thing can really do. And, you know, I've been able to remove a, 20 years of childhood trauma in like 20 minutes. Uh, I can get rid of depression, anxiety. I can just install confidence into somebody. Um, gotten rid of ADHD, anxiety disorder, like panic attacks, uh, Tourette's syndrome, uh, turned around suicides, turned around divorces. Like name it. The only thing I'm not sure if I can do is, um, is schizophrenia is the only thing I haven't like tested as like something that we can do but everything is everything exists in the brain if we can go in and change those beliefs and the thing is if somebody wants to change their beliefs right if somebody's like i'm a skeptic it doesn't work on me i'm like yeah you're right it doesn't work on you cool i'm not here to compete i'm not here to convince people that think they're right and think they know everything about how the world works that they're wrong. they are free to have one of my big things is i like to let people be free to have their experience so if somebody wants to be skeptical and you know know how the world works and know how it is i say great if that's working for you you know mm -hmm. do that Right. But to somebody that, you know, my favorite person is somebody that's like, you know, already found some level of level of success. So they've already demonstrated that they're willing to work and do what it takes. And then somebody that's been trying to make a change unsuccessfully because they're probably going about it wrong. It's my favorite people in the world because I can very, very quickly um, through kind of my version of hypnosis that I created just very, very quickly help somebody make those changes and open up and allow them to make those changes for themselves, which is really what it is. It's not me going in and taking control of somebody's mind. It's me opening up somebody's mind for them and allowing them to make the changes that they desire is really what it is. But it's the fastest tool. It's the most powerful tool. And it's, I just, there's no, there's, I have not found, if there's something faster and more powerful, I've not found it yet, but I, I will.
do you look at <clears throat> i'm trying in my mind to define hypnosis because you think of hypno and then you know it's kind of like a rewiring in my mind that's what kind of comes up but what what does it mean to you and and when you go to perform it on somebody who's open to changing they're like i know i need to change i don't know how to get into that point to rewire it how do you describe hypnosis to somebody yeah so experientially it's like a deep guided meditation so here's so we're all being hypnotized all the time every day right you and i are actually in a light state of trance right now just staring at a screen um you know we our brain our brains are very susceptible to slipping into trance because our brain wants to conserve energy and your brain wants to go on autopilot whenever it can because the brain is like three percent of your body weight but it uses like 20 percent of your calories your energy so the brain's always looking for shortcuts of where can i be lazy where can i turn off where can i go on autopilot so we our brains very very easily like to go into trance it actually feels really good it feels very good very calming very relaxing our brains want to go into trance um if you've ever had the experience where you're driving home and all of a sudden you're like i'm home and i have no idea how i got here congratulations you were in a state of hypnosis all right so our brains go so everybody can be hypnotized no you can't be hypnotized yeah you can you're just you know you want to live in a story where you can't but you are so um so the first thing is just knowing that hypnosis is just being in a state of trance right? being in a state of trance where your body your conscious mind turns off right this monkey we've essentially for the sake of this illustration we have two minds you've got your conscious mind which is your thinking your monkey mind your noise the chatter and your subconscious which is where your beliefs your autopilot like and your subconscious is running the show your conscious mind is about one percent can process about 15 bits of information per second, which is about seven numbers, just like a phone number or a license plate, or you know, there's a reason that we can organize things into chunks that big. It's about all our conscious mind can process. The subconscious then can process 15 million bits of information, which is why your subconscious is where everything going on, but it filters it out. So that's where all your beliefs are, where your beliefs for survival, your limiting beliefs, your conscious beliefs, your success beliefs, they're all in the subconscious. So what we do with hypnosis is essentially go into a trance, an induced trance, which we go into all the time anyways, and we go into just the level of depth we go into, um, essentially just turns the noisy mind off, right? You remember it, you're aware of it. Uh, you know every single thing that happened. You can remember every word of it. You can remember the entire thing. But it's just this very, very relaxing, calming state where now your subconscious mind is suggestible and open to new suggestions, especially if there are suggestions that you've been wanting to make yourself. So essentially think of it as... Um, through a couple different techniques, we can turn off the noise, right? Turn off the noise, turn off the chatter, and just go into a very, very deep, relaxing trance and then make suggestions. And if those suggestions are in alignment with what the person wants, then they will just be accepted. And all of a sudden, you know, you come out of it, you wake up, wake up, even though you remember the whole thing, you're not asleep. Um, you wake up, you come out of it, and all of a sudden there's a shift. You've, the changes happen literally that fast. Right. All of a sudden, somebody who thought drinking sounded like a good idea, all of a sudden finds alcohol disgusting right? and never touches the stuff again. Right? Somebody that had 20 years of a traumatic response to a certain person, a parent in their life, all of a sudden just feels like a warm compassion and a love and picks up the phone and makes a phone call and forgives. Right, And these, these last. It's, people are like, how long does it last? And it's permanent right? when you make the shifts in the same way. Um, and so that's why I like hypnosis so much is because it allows very, very fast, rapid changes um, that stick. Now, there's a lot of times there's layers to this, right? So I describe it as peeling back an onion where, you know, you get the surface level stuff. You're like, okay, I want to quit drinking. I'm like, great. 
Let me get that. And it's like, okay, cool. Oh, but now I realize now that that's out of the way, I realize there's this other thing that was contributing to that. So a lot of times, you know, there's a, there's a multi-layered approach and I usually work with people on a more longer term basis to get big, big, big results that really, really transform, but you can make massive shifts in just a matter of minutes. So that's why I like hypnosis. Yeah. The cheat code is the shortcut. It's scientific and it takes advantage of the way the brain's already working and just puts it to work for you instead of against you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of companies use it for marketing as well because it's they make that initial connection to your brain and then they sell you something you know go get that milkshake or go get whatever whatever it is to purchase and yep. they probably use i mean i i would imagine they have some type of thought that links to hypnosis through their marketing um oh yeah well companies i mean that's what you know anytime you're watching a screen right and you know you know you're in trade when you get aware of this you'll notice yourself going into trance i go into trance right it's not like a you know mm -hmm. i'm susceptible i'm very very susceptible to these things it's not that we're not right it's just being more and the reason i like to talk about awareness with these two is because a lot of times people you know the most it'd, it'd be very very dangerous to if you have a computer to uh be like i don't ever you know we don't i can't get viruses you know like max don't get viruses right it's a mm -hmm. fun piece yeah. of you know, thrown out there right it's just they're less but still there Right. So that what that does is that actually makes you more susceptible to them because you're now operating. You're like, I'm just going to not worry about viruses and pretend they don't exist. So the same way somebody that's like, oh, so hypnosis doesn't exist. I can't be hypnotized. Those are the easiest people to hypnotize because they have no defenses up. They have no awareness of it. So if you've ever been to what your point, though, is, um, you know, anytime you're staring at something, you're in trance. Right. So, you know, it's a great way to go into trance is staring at a screen, mm -hmm. staring at a phone, staring at a TV, staring at a show. So where do they drop advertisements? When we're already in trance, right? Yeah. So you're in a TV show, you're watching your show. You're there's a there's a type of it called eye fixation where you're just staring at something, just kind of puts your brain in a light trance. So you're staring at a screen, you're watching a story, you're feeling emotional. Right? When you feel emotional, you're in a, a form of trance. So you're staring at a screen, you're feeling emotional. They drop you off a cliffhanger, and you're feeling very emotional. And then what do they do? Lights, colors, feelings, suggestion, buy our shit. Yeah. Right? They're using hypnosis all the time. Same with Instagram, right? You're scrolling social media, scroll, scrolls, brains tuned off, and then add buy this. Okay. Right. We're all very, very susceptible to this all the time. So yes, companies companies know this. They know they know this very, very well. And this is how our all of our advertising works. Wow. Yeah, we do it so unconsciously that we're we're probably do you think we're more in a trans now that technology is such a big part of our lives or less in a trans because well, we're yeah. Yeah, way more weird. Most people, if you, it's it's really really sad. But if you go out into the world, most people are just tranced out all the time. Yeah. They're walking through the world on their phones. They're not connecting. They're just completely out. And most people are not living in their mind, right? Most people are not living. You know, they're just living. They're on autopilot, right? And the reality is, most of us, most of our lives are running on autopilot anyway, right? The brain's always looking for where can I tune out? Where can I just go on autopilot? Most people are just running a loop. Right? Most people are running a loop. If you ask somebody why they did something, they'll come up with a rational reason for it, right? Because the conscious mind will justify it. But we're making these emotion decisions emotionally, right? We actually don't have better decision-making power than a mammal, right? We're actually making decisions at a very, very primal level, and then we'll justify it logically. We'll say, you know, I'll, you know, if you go talk to somebody uh, coming out of wherever you shop for Best Buy, let's say, and the big newest, biggest TV. And you ask them, oh, did you do that because you saw your neighbor got one and you didn't want to lose status in the hierarchy? They'll say, no, no, it made sense. Logically, you know, it 
it has all these great features and you know my last one's three years old and it doesn't keep up with the newest kardashians and like so people will give you the most logical people are great at rationalizing great at it but it's the last thing that happens when it comes to making a decision they actually made the decision they actually made the decision to buy that because they were feeling insecure they were feeling threatened their status their hierarchy their status in the hierarchy was feeling threatened because their neighbor had a bigger better one so they found a justification to go out and do it they don't know this, right? People don't know that they're doing this, but mm-hmm. yeah, we're making decisions emotionally at a very, very primal level all day long. And then we're justifying it with our super smart human brains. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. How do, how do we take back control? How do we, how do we get to where, and I think a lot of people talk about like living in the present moment and how do, if I don't think everybody wants to be in a trans, I think, like you said, they're just outsourcing because it, it gives them that endorphin rush or it gives them that feeling of safety that survival feeling you know yeah. how do we take back control is it just like have like kind of the volunteering for the pain that we're not going to get through running for that safety yeah so you know to develop a connected mindset so i did there <laughs> um i had to no so it starts with it starts with awareness right it's the number number one is just being aware that it happened now, in um, I've worked with a lot of clients in like recovery with addictions and things like that, right? And a very, very common thing that is celebrated in these communities is uh, they say the relapse is part of the recovery. And so to somebody in a, you know, I take a very, very different approach to addictions because I don't believe it takes a long time. I believe it takes the right approach to fixing them. Um, but, you know, I am also a big believer in people finding whatever approach works for them. So some people do have success with these programs. And one of the things that's talked about is, you know, they celebrate, you know, the fact that somebody actually did go out to the bar and order a couple of drinks is actually something to be celebrated because they realized that they were doing it and they caught the triggers and they said, okay, I went and did this, mm-hmm. realized as I was doing it, I caught myself, pulled myself out of it. So that we don't beat them up for the thing they did wrong. Cause it's also never a useful tool. So we celebrate that. Congratulations. You have awareness. You see the problem right now. So it all starts with awareness. Awareness is the seed of everything else. If you're not even aware of it, um, you know how can you make the change? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, a good way that I like to do this is I'll ask myself throughout, just periodically throughout the day, I'll remember to ask myself, I'll be like, am I awake right now? Mm-hmm. And I'll just check in with myself. If I'm really, really like, if I was really starting out, if I was like bare bones just starting out and this is the first I was hearing about it, and I was like, oh, I know I'm, I realize I'm doing this. I would set an alarm on my phone to go off every few hours or even every hour remind myself, Hey, am I awake right now? Just that reminder, just that awareness of putting yourself into it and not expecting perfection, understanding that it, some of this is a repetition game, right? Hypnosis can do these things very, very quickly, but a lot of time, you know, if you go to the gym, uh, you gotta put in the reps and then the rest and the recovery, right? It's a lot of these, these do take time. So the first step to waking up completely is just awareness, just awareness that this is happening. Right. And like I said, I'm still susceptible to trance. I'll still catch myself. Oh, I'm scrolling like a fucking dipshit. Cool. Mm -hmm put that down right it's that you don't become immune to it you just become better aware of it right so the first thing is awareness and then the next thing is um you know and i push back against the idea of like slogging through pain right again as somebody that's lived a lot of my life in pain gone through navy seal training done the painful stuff i've done the pain stuff you know it's it's an interesting experience Uh, i don't find it very useful and i think one of the other things we've been sold in society is this myth that if i just suffer long enough if i just reach the suffering threshold then i'll get what i want I have never seen that to be true. You can suffer your entire life and die miserable and unhappy without anything that you wanted. 
that's mm -hmm. many, many people have that experience and uh, you know, we're free to have that experience. So I don't find slogging through the pain to be very, very useful. Some things in life are painful. You just deal with them. You accept it as it is and you try to get out of it. But these negative experiences, right? These painful experiences are meant to show us what we want, right? We have this experience and say, ah, that sucks. That hurts. I really don't like this. Great. Congratulations. That's a beautiful thing that you just had that experience because now you know what you don't want. So what you do is instead of focusing, what most people do wrong is why most people stay stuck is they focus on what they don't want. Ah, oh, this sucks. This is bad. I'm, you know, my relationship, my money, my body, my health, all the, they'll just think about what's wrong. Think about what they don't want. Right. And then they get more of that. Right? You focus on it. The universe says, here you go. God says, here you go. That's what you want. You're thinking about it. Here you go. You get more of it. So whenever you're having some experience where it's like, I don't like this. I don't want this. This hurts. Great. That's beautiful. Now you know what you don't want. So that you take that and you use that and you shift onto what you do want. And then you just take steps in that direction. And sometimes it's just a single step. Right? Sometimes it's just, oh, this is burning. I'm on fire here. Okay, I'm going to take a step back away from the flames. Okay, I'm out of the fire. I'm still on fire. Though. I just need to put myself out. Right. So a lot of times people expect these quantum leaps of, I'm going to go from zero to infinity with a snap of my fingers. Right. Um, but a lot of times you just got to get one step better, right? especially if you're doing it yourself. Right. You've got to just get a little bit better, a little bit better. If you're at negative 10, get to negative nine, then negative eight, then seven, get yourself to zero. Then at zero, get yourself to one, to two, then work your way up to 10, right? That's the other thing too, right? Is we're sold, like a lot of things I think are easier than we're sold on. You know, I don't think it's as hard as it's made out to be, but you've got to have realistic expectations in that sometimes you've just got to do the best next thing. And what's this next piece that's going to get you a little bit closer to what you want. If you don't know what you want, at least you know what you don't want. So go away from what you don't want and start working towards what you want. So I'd say that's the biggest thing is one, just awareness of what's happening and that it's happening. Awareness that you're asleep, awareness that you're on autopilot and awareness that your subconscious beliefs are running the show and you didn't pick them. You inherited them. Some of them are biological. Some of them you got from your family, from your school, from media, from this whole cocoon of life around us. So, but the real moment, you know, the, mo the moment that a child grows into an adult, you know, the moment that a boy becomes a man is the moment that we take responsibility and we say, you know what, I got what I got. And instead of blaming anybody else, and you don't even have to take, it's not even your fault. You don't have to take it on as your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. You do have to take it on as your responsibility. I always tell people, like, whatever happened to you, you know, wow, yeah, that sucks. I, that must have been really terrible. What do you want to do about it? It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And a lot of people just shirk that responsibility and want to stay living in the, the pain and the trance and the story, whatever they've got. And they're free to have that experience if that's what they want to do. Right. But the moment that somebody decides to have this awareness of what's going on and then take responsibility for changing it, all of it, right? No, like, oh, but this piece of it, but that piece of it, but my my race, my gender, my parents, my background, my community, like none of it. Like you've got to take 100% full responsibility for every single piece of it. Because as soon as you do that, then you have the power to change it. And most people don't want to do that because the responsibility is scary. Then you're actually, you know, it's, then it's actually on you. So it's a lot more comfortable to put it to other people. But that's the biggest thing is awareness of what's going on. And then the responsibility of changing it and of owning it and of just moving towards what do you want? Yeah, process of elimination. And I think the blame game's the easy, the easy part. It's like outsourcing the responsibility to somebody else. And then you don't have to take awareness. So you don't have to go through the pain of of having that awareness. You hit on it earlier. And I think, you know, all the guests I've had on this show, I haven't heard it this way where 
a lot of us are addicted chemically to negativity mm -hmm. and we don't even realize that we think we're addressing what we don't want, but we're bringing all of those things we don't want closer to us by continuing to bask in it, continue to enjoy that endorphin rush. I think oh. that's something that I'm sure is at the core of all of the coaching that you do and <clears throat> helping people get out of that because I see it around me, even the people that are accomplishing everything they want, they're making the money they want, they're in building the business they want to build, but there's still the conversations that we have are still 80 to 90% negativity, like, oh, you know, this sucked, this sucked, this sucked. And it's kind of just like a way to, to conversate nowadays when they're just talking about negativity as opposed to even thinking about what was good that happened. Um, and I think that's almost like a survival instinct that a lot of us has have ad adapted probably from social media, from the media, like those external factors that just become a part of our trans. And then those become who we are as a person, which is kind of scary to think about. Um, but I think a lot of people need that, that hypnosis. So, you know, if somebody wanted to kind of, they know they have things going on, they need somebody like yourself, you know, to talk about this stuff with, to work through a lot of the barriers that they're encountering. Um, what's, what's the best way to get started? Where do you recommend people go initially? You know, what do they need to bring to you? I think that'd be great to hear for folks listening in. Yeah. So if you wanted to talk with me directly, uh, I'll send you, you can find me on different socials, you know, Zach Paul on uh, LinkedIn, Zach Paul on Facebook. Uh, as of right now, it's Zach the hypnotist on Instagram. Uh, and then the website is Sonasen, S-O-N-A-S-E-N.com. I'll, uh, I'll send you the links to this. You can drop the link in the bio. Um, biggest thing for me is, you know, I'm looking for people that want to help themselves. Right? I'm looking for people that are, it's okay to have problems. It's okay to have problems that you don't know how to solve. And honestly, most people, most people's problems are, are boring, right? They're solvable. It's, uh, you know, it sucks while you're in it, but you know, you're, whatever you're going through right now, you're not the first person to have this problem, right? You're not going to be the last. These are, these problems are very, very repeatable. They're very, very common. They're also very, very easy to fix. So whether it's, you know, I'm successful and I made all the money I wanted to make, but I'm still not happy. You know, that void, that hole, that thing I was chasing uh, didn't actually do it for me. Right? That's a very, very common one. Very, very easy to fix. Um, you know, I worked really hard and sacrificed and now my, you know, I can't relate to my kids and my spouse and I haven't you know, slept together in six months and, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my family, right? Easy to fix. These are all very, very easy things. It's the biggest thing is I won't just one know that you're not the only one going through it. You're not the only person that has gone through it, even when it feels like it. Uh, many, many people have gone through it before, and it's a very, very easy fix. So, the first thing is just having that bit of hope that knowing that things can get better. Um, the next thing is, yeah, I'm always looking for people that want to help themselves, right? People like you mentioned, the people that like to complain, and it's a great way to bond, right? Bonding over pain and shared misery is it's a great way to bond. Um, but my whole thing is like, yeah, great, that sucks. What do you want to do about it? So. Uh, through somebody that just wants to complain and get validated for how bad things are, that's great. I'm, I'm not your guy. Through somebody that's like, I want to fix it, uh, reach out to me. I'm happy to have a conversation, hear what's going on with you, see even if I can help. Um, so yeah, reach out to me on any one of the socials and just kind of let me know. You know, say hey, I heard you on the Connected Mindset or got you know connected through Greg. And like I said, I'm happy to just like hear what's going on. Uh, if I think I can help, you know, happy to walk you through some different options. If not, I also have just some, like, I have some training and resources that I'm happy to send out. Actually, that too, too. 
Um, if anybody reaches out to, I have a free hypnosis audio that I'll just send you uh, that helps with confidence, clarity, purposeness, purposeness. I don't know if that's a word. I might just invented that. I like that actually. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, if anybody just wants to see, like, maybe you're like, okay, you know, hypnosis. I saw this like goofy magician at the fair that couldn't hypnotize my aunt Sally. So I don't know about hypnosis. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of entertainers that are in the hypnosis industry. Uh, what I do is a little bit different. So yeah, reach out. Uh, like I said, happy to have a conversation, hear what's going on, happy to send some free resources. And I have an audio uh, that I can hook you up with as well that will just this, this one audio alone will change your life. So, um, yeah, that's how to get a hold of me. Yeah, I'll definitely drop those uh, in the chat as well as uh, in the YouTube video so everybody can check out what you have going on. I think free resources like that, the webinars you put on monthly are huge to check out. So definitely recommend everybody listening in, checks out all the, all the great things you're putting out, Zach. Um, and just have the conversation. I think opening people up to just start the conversation gets gets you 10, 20 steps ahead just being open to it as opposed to pushing it down like a lot of us tend to do when we're going through hard times. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's going to be hugely impactful, hugely beneficial. Um, Zach, one of the ways we like to round out the show, and I think we've talked about a lot of different parallels of, of being connected, being connected to yourself, being connected to others, being connected to tools and strategies that you've walked through today. You know, what does being connected mean to Zach today? And, and how do you hope to leverage that going forward? Yeah. So being connected is sharing your experience, right? Being in your experience as opposed to just a passive observer, right? It's being the star of the movie instead of watching it on a screen. It's really, really being engaged and present in the present moment, right? It's being able to, you know, and some of it's being able to turn off the noise, turn off the chatter, right? And be here in this conversation and listening, you know, listening to you. I can't even remember what I said. Right. I, you know, I'll go back. I'm sure there's probably some good clips in here. Um, but being connected is just, to me, it's being so present. It's just, it's literally, it's the only way to live. Right. Because if we're disconnected, if we're, you know, we've all had the experience where we're at an event or at a social event or a date or a whatever it is and spent the time in your head, right. Just kind of missed the whole thing and missed the experience from being disconnected. Right. So I think a big piece of like being connected is really just being engaged, being present with yourself, with life, with other people. Because at the end of the day, right, life is about other people, right? Life is about, nobody cares about how much money you made. Nobody cares about the car you drove, the house you drove. Like, you know, I work with guys who are, have everything and yet have nothing, right? Because they have all the success, all the money, all the, it's like they checked that box and figured the rest of it would come, but it didn't, right? And at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's the relationships we have with not only ourselves, but with other people that add all the meaning and all the value, like the real value to life. So if we're missing out on that, we're truly missing out on life. So being connected is just being here, being present and being alive, experiencing those moments. I love it. Yeah. Zach, thanks so much for joining us, sharing your story. I think that's that shows that you're present and and you're living, you're connected, you know, mindset, you're connected life uh, day in and day out. Um, so looking forward to continuing the conversation. And thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you having me on. Great conversation.